you already know what time it is. That that's obviously, you know, the uh, the alarms going off because guess what, folks? There's the background explosions. This is a bonus episode. Uh, yeah, so yet again, we are doing a driving with annoying question boy because I have, uh, absolutely no opportunity to record lately. Um, I really should have the opportunity to, but, um, my girlfriend's dad is, uh, visiting for the, the week. And so, uh, I'm, I'm just kind of, I mean, it's nobody's fault. It's, it's, if anything, it's my own fault. Um, but I, I just feel uncomfortable like talking about this stuff because I'm my girlfriend and her family are Brazilian and her father doesn't speak a lot of English. So, I mean, I don't really have a close connection with him, even though I've been with my girlfriend for almost seven years. Well, almost six and a half, I should say. Um, but like, so I, I don't know. I just like, I don't have a relationship where I feel like if he heard me just like screaming in her room. Uh, talking about this stuff. I mean, one, I don't even know what he would know what I was saying. I mean, again, I don't have a close connection to him, so I don't actually know how much English he understands. I would assume a lot because he has lived in America for a very long time. Um, but I don't know for certain. So basically what I'm saying is like, I'm uncomfortable to record shit like this in front of him just because I'm uncomfortable the same way as I'm uncomfortable recording this if really anyone can hear me recording I don't know I just don't like it It makes me feel weird um but yeah so that is why we're doing a a, a driving with annoying question boy I am currently on my way to get Wendy's and then I am gonna probably pull up in the parking lot at my girlfriend's apartment and just record like a little session on here um yeah so let's uh let's just hop right into it um so I'm doing a blog like I started writing the introduction and then I was like I want Wendy's um I started writing this blog about alienation and how it is you know it's not a unpredicted thing. Like, Marx talked about this. Many other philosophers talked about this as a result of capitalism because you further separate people from one another and replace these relations that we should be having with one another, you know, this this community that we should have with one another, and replacing it with commodities. Um, and, I mean, I'm not a scholar by any means, so I can't really necessarily explain it the best. But, basically, the way this happens is, because you're not directly trading with someone who is producing goods, the further and further away you get from actual, you know, labor, then going to the marketplace and being traded for other items, you know, that were created through labor... Um, unless you're actively doing that, you're not going to see relationships formed between people because commodities, according to Marx, are actually the things that bring people together. Um, 
this has been contested, I'm sure, by many people, and I, I don't know the theory well enough to uh, explain it out or debate with anybody about it, but I mean, this is just the idea that I, I am learning about right now and it, trying to figure out. So, because this is true, then we know that the this feeling of alienation, these feelings of isolation in our current time, this is not a phenomenon. This is not a unheard of event. Um, this is something that has been predicted by someone so far away as almost the mid-1800s. Um, so one cannot say that this is like a crisis that nobody could have seen coming. So as I was saying, um, sorry, I pulled into the drive-thru and I got my food. So if this doesn't really line up, I'm sure I'll do something about this later. And you might not even hear this part. You're probably going to hear this part. I'm very lazy when it comes to editing. Um, yeah, so basically, since we we know that like this was not a, a unheard of phenomenon, then this is actually something that can precisely be fought against. The only issue is we do not have the means that are necessary to properly fight against this. So then you and I have to suffer through these feelings of alienation alone, almost as if that's kind of the whole, you know, definition of alienation. But basically what I'm saying is like, we do not have a structure even within our society, within our communities that would disallow for things such as alienation to be as widespread as they are. Because obviously you cannot completely erase alienation, isolation, feelings of, you know, loneliness. You cannot completely erase that because not only are these just things that are based off of emotion, but also these are things that aren't necessarily avoidable. I mean, some people are just not, you know, as sociable as others or do not uh, feel as if they uh, fit into the mold of society. And that's usually because society is not actually built for everyone. It's built for what are called type A folks, but we won't even get into that. Um, but basically what I'm saying is you, you obviously cannot eradicate alienation as a whole, but you can formulate structures and institutions within a, a, you know, community or a, a country that would allow for things such as alienation to not become as widespread as they have here in the United States and I would assume in other capitalist settler colonial states, um, NATO states basically. Um, so then let, let's talk about it. What What is causing this alienation? What is calling causing this feeling of separation from one's own world. Um, one of the main, many things that we could point to as a, you know, a direct effect or a direct cause of the effect that is alienation would be something maybe like social media. But social media is not directly 
one, a replication or a mirror of society. It's a very small percentage of the world around you. And on top of that, it does not actually mirror the world around you. But on top of that, social media, one way or another at this point, serves a purpose that is not socializing. Um, Places like Facebook, um, Instagram, uh, they all make their money off of advertisement. Um, And therefore, they are going to structure a quote-unquote social media platform that operates like a marketing campaign. So now, not only do you have actual companies that are advertising on these social media platforms, but you essentially have people advertising themselves on these social media platforms. We've seen it, you know, if you go on anyone's social media, for the most part, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the best of the best of somebody's life. You know, nobody's going to go on there on Facebook and post like, I just failed my drug test and I can't stop uh, smoking uh, cigarettes and I think I'm going to lose custody of my child. And, you know, nobody's going to go on there and blast themselves and talk bad about themselves because that would eliminate the purpose of social media. And who, who would even want to fucking read that? Or write it out to post it. Um, But, I mean, not for nothing. We do that when we interact with people as it is. Um, But that's not really the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is we completely separate personality and interpersonal connection from what is purported as a, a bridge for a lack of socialization. Um, During the pandemic, in the beginning stages, um, when everyone actually kind of sort of quarantined, we saw a lot of people who were very negatively affected by the inability to socialize. Um, Hold on, got to do something really quick. Am I going to keep that in because I think it makes me sound cool? Yes. Makes me sound like Lil Wayne. Who, speaking of Lil Wayne, I have not dove into this and this is very much out of left field, but apparently Lil Wayne endorsed Donald Trump. Um, I will be updating you on that. Um, Hold me to it. So basically what I'm saying uh, to jump back into my point is these these feelings of alienation and this lack of true socialization that was capitalized on by social media platforms such as Facebook um, was very much uh, exacerbated during the early stages of COVID when everybody was mostly, well, I can't even say mostly, most of the country did not follow guidelines as far as I could tell in my area. But for the, the general public that did stay home during that time, A lot of people felt very, very alone. As I mentioned in my blog, and I'll kind of 
generally hint at it because I don't want to go into specifics to blow this person's spot up, but I am close with someone who was in a very rough spot right before COVID started in already feeling desperately alone. And then because they had a child who was very young, felt uncomfortable leaving their home for obvious reasons during the quarantine. And also I, I believed wasn't wasn't employed at the time. Uh, I can't say for sure, so I'm sorry if that person is listening to this and I am incorrect, but... So they had an awful time during the first stages of COVID. They're still having an awful time because they're still very alone. Um, And many people, including myself, feel very alone during these times. Um, I mean, not to blow up my own spot, but I, I, I don't necessarily quarantine and just go to work and then come home. Um, I do, you know, see my friends and my family maybe more than I should, but I mean, I I don't even know where to stand. I've mentioned this before. This is a hard decision that we all have to make. You know, do we follow the social standard of Well, not even the social standard, but what should be the social standard and what some people like myself in the beginning of quarantine will make others feel guilty for. Um, Should should we stay away from one another and in order to stay safe? Or should we realize that during this time, you know, the bare minimum that we all need is connection to one another? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't really know if there is an answer kind of fucked if you do fucked if you don't type situation but um it definitely has led to a lot of feelings of loneliness even in my own life so I want to talk about this and then I kind of want to also real quick talk about like um uh school kids because I'm listening hold on here I'm listening to a red menace podcast where the hosts are talking about uh, how they're, they're, I'm kind of stealing this idea from them. So shout out Red Menace. Thanks for the inspo. Um, been having a hard time coming up with an idea for a podcast, so thanks for this. Um, but they're kind of talking about how kids that are growing up right now are going to be insanely traumatized. Um, not for nothing, but in their very beginning formative years, you have children seeing a complete, um, just like destruction of social norms and, in you know, structures and institutions that otherwise have been taught to them, or they have, you know, even some kids like my, my niece is 13. She knows what it's like to go to school. She knows what it's like to live in this world but isn't allowed to, basically, you know, or, you know, really shouldn't. Um, And even people such as myself, I mean, and and really everyone is going to be traumatized by this, but you have kids that are in their formative years who are seeing just absolute destruction around them. And I want to talk about that, and then I also want to connect it to another point. So um, my niece, uh, like I mentioned, is 13, I also have a nephew who just turned 17. I have another niece who is six. I have another nephew who's three. Um, And then I just have, you know, other nieces and nephews who are in school age. I also have a lot of friends. Uh, 
younger siblings who are in, you know, public school age. And I also have a lot of friends who are going to college. And I know for a fact that all the people that are going to any form of school right now are some of the most depressed, anxious, miserable, frustrated, forgotten group of... Well, not the most forgotten, but, you know, an extremely forgotten group of people in society right now. Because I have, you know, very close friends of mine who are in the the finishing years of their college degree hoping to move towards things like uh, my friend Connie who wants to be a teacher you know she is not able to get the education that she so desperately needs because of the very situation and circumstances that exist in this country now that is not Connie's fault that is not really necessarily anyone except for our uh, government our, our Senate, our president and his administration and, and our House of Representatives for being incapable of handling the COVID situation. This is entirely on their hands. All of the lives lost are shared between all of the government officials who could not put politics aside, who could not simply exist as a governing structure and take control of a moment in time where they very much needed to take control and figure out what to do about the situation. This is entirely their fault. So to that point, I have friends who were told their whole life if you work hard, you go to school, you get your college degree, you really work towards your passion, you're going to be able to have an affordable uh, uh, living wage, or I, I, to say that better, you're going to be able to live because you're going to be afforded a livable wage. You're going to be able to exist as something that you are passionate about and live the American dream because that is what America is all about. And you're telling these kids that who are currently watching as absolutely none of their education is actually delivered in a way that can be uh, uh, receptible or uh, uh, comprehensible to these kids. I mean, not for nothing, but I took online classes uh, during the spring semester and I even took them before COVID. And like, I can't fucking learn. I just can't. I need to be in the classroom. I need to be taking notes. Like, that. I can't learn like that. And the inconsistency with schoolwork and tests and, you know, what am I supposed to be studying? I can't even imagine. So, to that point, these kids are going to be traumatized. And we here in America have seen because of COVID, and even just if you paid attention ever, that we have an absolute lacking healthcare system in this country. Somehow or another, we spend more money than any industrialized nation on our healthcare, over $580 billion annually, and yet see some of the worst healthcare in any of the industrialized nation. And that's because Healthcare in this country, just like everything else, is a for-profit industry and therefore is only available to those who can afford it. As we've seen, because of COVID, there is a huge disparity between those who can afford the freedoms that we are granted as American citizens and those who cannot. Not for nothing, but we've gotten one stimulus bill. One 
$1,200 check for some Americans. Uh, a lot of people, for many different reasons, did not receive that money. You saw a lot of money that was supposed to go to small businesses go directly to corporations. You saw a lot of small businesses go belly up. You saw a lot of money go to things like the military. We had a $1.2 trillion coronavirus relief bill that was passed about two months ago at the end of August that gave $750 billion directly to military and military-like private security companies, as well as things like a $1.75 billion new FBI headquarters. At a time where Americans needed the federal government to step in more than ever in our recent history, um, they, they demonstrated, just like back in 2008 during the housing crisis, 2015 during the recession, they will time and time again serve the needs of corporate and billionaires in this country. They exist to serve the other members of the ruling class. This is what bourgeois politics does. And as we are seeing now in the UK with people like Jeremy Corbyn and here in the United States with people like Bernie Sanders trying to work within the systems that exist, trying to participate in bourgeois politics by, you know, attempting to do things such as turn either the Labour Party in the UK or the Democratic Party here in the United States to the left after it exists not only under the thumb of corporate interests and other bourgeois um, uh, uh, powers, but it also exists within a system that supports those very powers. Therefore, you cannot use the system to fix the system. If we were, you know, if we weren't such reformists here in this country, we would know this. There is no way out other than a complete upheaval of the system that exists. Now, connecting back to COVID and traumatization. Tra traumatization. That doesn't sound right, but I'm going to go with it. Another hit here quick. So I'm reading this book called Our History is the Future by Nick Estes. If you haven't heard of Nick Estes, go ahead and look him up. Fantastic human being, incredibly intelligent academic, um, and also hosts the Red Nation podcast, which is a great resource for all things indigenous, as well as uh, uh, leftist uh, and socialist and communist ideals within America um, from voices that are not often heard within the left, uh, uh, the greater left in the United States. So, Our History is the Future is a book that talks about, uh, specifically, uh, but also broadly, the 2016 Dakota Access Pipeline protests, um, and also connects it to uh, other indigenous resistance throughout the history of uh, colonization, not only in America, but uh, 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 across the world. So... In a recent Red Nation podcast where Nick Estes, as well as uh, the Red Nation host, whose name is escaping me, and the other person's name who is escaping me, they talk about Halloween. Um, well, I don't think they talk about... It's, it's Halloween-themed in that they talk about the history of zombies 
as a uh, folklore and also how the uh, uh, guest that's on the show uses The Walking Dead to teach their uh, Native American studies courses. So one thing that they said in this episode that really stuck out to me was existing as a indigenous person in America can be conceptualized by watching The Walking Dead. As the guest puts it, um, it you know, in The Walking Dead, one day, Rick, I think his name is, the main character, wakes up and everything he knew about the world, everything about the world that he lived in, was completely gone. And all that existed, as far as he knew, was a horde of zombies, as it, you know, is in this show, um, but a, a horde of beings that's sole purpose is to kill him. That is exactly what it's like to be an indigenous person within a settler colonial state. Um, specifically talking, for my understanding, America. You know, you had all different periods of history from termination to assimilation to, you know, you had your, your schools for the, the children that were taken from native tribes in order to basically, you know, pay for their transgressions and get what they needed from the U.S. government after the U.S. government had taken everything that they had used to sustain themselves for thousands of years. Um, you had the U.S. military used multiple times to, if not directly massacre massive amounts of native folks, but also, uh, quote-unquote, relocate them or uh, forge uh, what they called fair treaties with natives um, under terms in which the indigenous people were seeing all of their power being stripped from them. You know, what what you have to understand and what, what is kind of hard to understand without really thinking about it in this context, a lot of people say, well, why did Native Americans, which I don't know if that's a correct or incorrect term, so I'm sorry if it's incorrect, but, uh, you know, why did indigenous peoples sign these treaties? Why, why did they bow down to the... the interests of the United States and before then the colonists and the, you know, imperialists that came from um, France and uh, England um, and the Dutch as well. Um, why, why did they allow these things to happen? Well, not for nothing, but by the time that the English settlers arrived here in New England, um, a, a huge portion of the indigenous had not only been wiped out by different diseases brought initially by the French or initially by the Spanish and Mexico, which spread into states like Texas, New Mexico, California, or I should say what we now refer to as the states of Texas, New Mexico, California, Arizona, places like that. You also had the French who brought their diseases as well as their warfare and their capitalist self-interest. You also had the English that eventually came that did the same. 
So you had a population that saw true and utter devastation, uh, uh, destruction, and really any and all power that they once had, or most of it, stripped from them in multiple different ways, whether it's taking their land, killing their animals, destroying their crops, destroying them physically, um, signing unfair treaties that saw their lands further removed and their rights further removed as people under a state which should not have ever been and which they still to this day do not recognize as sovereign over these lands, um, removing their rights under a jurisdiction over the lands of which they had presided for hundreds, if not thousands of years. I don't actually know how many years they had existed here, you know? So this is kind of, uh, what we're feeling during COVID, uh, is like a, a percentage, a, a fraction of what native people have felt since the first colonizer arrived on North America. And really in places like Central and what we call Latin America and also South America, like indigenous peoples across the world have suffered under imperialism, colonialism, and and many different isms that have seen their, their dignity, their sovereignty, their self-governance taken from them by by force, nonetheless. In places like Bolivia, we saw after the 2019 coup, uh, which fuck Janine Añez, fuck uh, Camacho, fuck all those right-wing uh, ghouls. I hope they all fucking rot in hell. Uh, but besides that, immediately after that, we saw the burning of the Wipala. Uh, which I doubt I'm pronouncing that right, but that was the indigenous people's flag, which had officially became a part of the Bolivian flag under Evo Morales' rule, which saw a huge expanse of indigenous rights within Bolivia, a land that is a majority indigenous. Uh, These rights, of course, were immediately tried to... uh, 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 were attempted to be diminished under the coup de facto government. We know this uh, because that's what they do. Uh, But this is happening in places like Brazil, where uh, uh, fascist uh, leader Jair Bolsonaro goes into the Amazon and massacres uh, massive uh, groups of indigenous people. Then, of course, you have it in places like uh, Venezuela, Chile, uh, and even up into other places such as uh, uh, Mexico, you have it in North America, uh, in the United States, and in Canada. Indigenous people uh, just seeing absolutely as many of their rights as possible taken from them day in and day out. So, alienation. This phenomenon that we are experiencing now, which is connected to one of the, if not the largest mental health crises that this country and this world has ever seen. This is not an accident. This is not due to an uh uh-oh in the government or a misstep by our authority figures and the powers that be. This is precisely what capitalism will continue to cause. 
that combined with our government and other capitalist governments' attempts to destabilize the working class and separate the citizens of the country that otherwise should be united under the front of the working class solidarity, uh, workers' rights and things like this, we see things such as racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, whatever isms and phobias you want to come up with, used as tools to separate the working class. These things combined do not necessarily bring to the forefront of my mind hope for a united front against capitalism. But if there's anything that this continuation of capitalism can be guaranteed to do is destroy norms while actively supposing that they are supporting those norms. You know, that is precisely what propaganda, undermining propaganda, as Jason Stanley puts it, uh, exists to do. It, it, it presupposes itself as con- embodying a certain ideal while actively working to erode that very ideal. Things such as freedom in this country, which are uh, uh, touted as being the main ideals of both parties, while both parties actively pass laws or cease to pass laws that take away our very freedoms as working class Americans. So, this alienation that many of us are feeling during this coronavirus epidemic, which sadly, I hate to say it, guys, it's not going to go away anytime soon. I'm not saying it's never going to go away. I don't really know, but this is something we are going to continue to have to deal with, sadly. Um, but this this alienation that we're feeling, just know this is not a fault of your own. This is not something that you should be blamed for. And also, no matter how alone you feel, you are not alone in that feeling. So many of us, so many of us, Even just in my own personal circle, I know that probably 70% of my friends have worse depression, anxiety, uh, mental health problems now than they've ever had before. And those are just the ones that are acknowledging it. Many of us, if not the majority of us, are feeling exactly how you feel right now. You are not alone. You are not alone. You have people who love you. I love you. I don't even know you and I don't need to know you. And this, you know, doesn't have to be some stupid, you know, we all love one another here in this world. But like, just know that like my heart goes out to you. I hate to know what you're experiencing I hate to know that you are experiencing it but just know that I too have been there I am there and many others are too if you need anything feel free to uh, uh, reach out to your local uh, mental health clinics I know for most Americans um, 
uh, insurance and mental health are a complicated thing. A lot of us do not have adequate uh, uh, resources for mental health, whether it has to do with our you know, financial situations or just where we exist within the United States. Um, I know I live in a fairly conservative area. We don't have a lot of great uh, mental health clinics in this area other than just straight up psych wards. Uh, so just do what you can to help yourself. If you need to talk, feel free to reach out to me. I'll do what I can to maybe, you know, provide that. But also reach out to your loved ones. Reach out to those that you feel comfortable reaching out to. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is they've probably either felt the way you're feeling right now or to this, you know, moment also feel the way that you're feeling right now. So don't give up hope. Uh, There is a better day coming. Um, you have to, if you are a leftist, you, you know, or even someone who, who wants to see a better tomorrow, you have to believe that it's possible. Um, I know that's hard during these times, but if you can't believe it, I will. Um, again, I love you all. If you're still listening, thank you very much. Um, my Wendy's is going to get cold or probably already is cold. So I got to get inside. Um, but thanks for listening. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy and staying sane during these times. Like I, I've been saying, we're, we're all experiencing just absolute shit times right now. And if you need any help, you need to know that you, you are the one and only person that can get that help for yourself and know that you are not alone in that feeling. You are not lesser of a person for reaching out for help. You, you know, it should not feel guilty for anything. This is sadly a natural feeling but just know that there is an alternative and that alternative is something that if you want to stop feeling that way is something that you have to start actively fighting for because these feelings of alienation these feelings of isolation these feelings of hopelessness will only continue to get worse the longer we allow things such as capitalism such as uh uh colonialism, imperialism, as long as we continue to allow these things to exist, we will continue to have these feelings. Um, I know that might be a stark and upsetting realization, but it should also be a motivating one because there are people who also know that to be true, who are also fighting to see an end to these very things that are causing these problems. So, um, if you liked what you heard, Just know that I have many other episodes that probably might be... Hey guys, so random clip here at the end. Um, I just thought about doing this. I don't know if it will prove useful. But uh, if you have listened to my podcast for a while now, you know that I have a particular interest in Bolivia. Um, And I have found myself honestly really longing to go to Bolivia and, and be on the front lines not even just necessarily doing the podcast, um, just fighting for, you know, a people's liberation. Um, I, I, I don't know how well this could go, but like, if anybody has any connections to anyone who is staying in Bolivia, who knows someone who's staying in Bolivia, who has been to Bolivia, uh, reports on Bolivia. Um, if I can't physically go to Bolivia, I'd love to begin a correspondence with someone who 
lives in Bolivia. Um, I have reached out to Camila Escalante and Ali Vargas, um, two journalists who I very much respect and uh, love. Um, but obviously, as I would imagine, during their very busy schedules right now, uh, they do not have the time to respond. Um, so obviously, I can't be upset about that. Um, although I wish that they would, but that's just me being ridiculous. Um, but like, basically what I'm saying is if anybody has any connects, uh, somehow or another, set me up with them, please connect me with them. Uh, yeah, thanks. So random clip done. Peace different and not as good but you can listen to them just about anywhere that you're listening to this uh, i also have a blog which you can find at annoying question boy spelt just like that no caps no spaces dot b l o g s p o t dot com um you can also find me on social media on twitter instagram tiktok and facebook at annoying question boy um and yeah, that's really it, guys. So uh, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day. Sorry, I thought I heard something in the back of the car. And now it's freaking me out. I probably shouldn't have smoked. But I'm going to hit this one more time and then say goodbye. So. Alrighty, folks. Again, thank you for listening. I love you all. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. And as always, it has been your boy. Have a good one. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.